My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Folklore just is that like it's a perfect album good morning or afternoon or evening depending on when you're listening to this welcome to the spark parade a show where i talk to amazing people about the art and culture that's shaped their lives thank you ever so much for joining me I've got a very enjoyable little episode for you today. I'm not bragging, because it isn't bragging if it's true, right? It's just facts. Simple little facts. I had a delightful conversation with illustrator, author, and animation director Stephen Lenton about his love for Nintendo games. In particular, games from the early days of Nintendo when the Nintendo Entertainment System was first released. So we're talking Mario, we're talking Zelda, we're talking Animal Crossing. Non-stop hits! The conversation drifts a bit into other subject matter too, but it's all very, very enjoyable, so it doesn't matter that it's not laser-focused, right? Right! So, it's Halloween this week, you guys. You know this? Do you hear about this? So, as a little nod towards the ooky and spooky, I'm going to talk about mystery and lack thereof. In what context, you ask? I'm talking about mystery when it comes to knowing about an artwork before you engage with it. That's not spooky at all, Adam. In fact, that's a rather tenuous connection to Halloween. One wonders why you even chose to mention Halloween at all. Shh. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So, lately, I've been trying to avoid reviews when I know I'm going to experience a new artwork. And in some cases, I've even tried to avoid knowing much about the work itself. The idea was to go into these situations without any preconceived notions and be able to form my own opinions before I let other people's thoughts sway me one way or another. I've mentioned slash whined before on this podcast that I think most modern film trailers give away too much. A four minute trailer that reveals basically the entire plot is exactly the opposite of what I want. I want to know just enough to pique my interest and I want the rest to remain tantalizingly unknown. The same goes for reviews. I don't want each individual artwork discussed in detail before I go to a painting show. I need just vague gist. Then the mystery is at least somewhat preserved. The problem I've experienced lately is that, even without having read a single review or a single synopsis, my experience can be altered or damaged by hype. There have been a few instances recently where I've gone to see a play or a film and known virtually nothing about it apart from its title and the fact that it's received a billion five-star reviews. Just that amount of information can really set me up for disappointment. It means that I go into my evening expecting to be absolutely blown away. And guys, let me tell you, I've been let down a lot lately. So what's the solution, friends? Stop looking at the internet, wear a blindfold and earplugs most of the day, learn to have lower expectations or be more easily amused, who's to say? But I do know that I still really love to experience art with as little foreknowledge as possible. 
So maybe I'll just do my best to stick with that strategy and try not to be so hard to please. Is that a good idea? I think it's the best I can do. Wow. Now I feel like that rambling nonsense was very Halloween-y, don't you? You're welcome. Now let's move along to less spooky territory to my conversation with Stephen Lenton about Nintendo. So Nintendo, <laughs> generally Nintendo. Um, yes. I think it is a sad but true fact that we are both old enough to have been around for the beginning of Nintendo. I um, think so, yeah. Do you remember pre-Nintendo stuff? I you know? do because I've got two older brothers and they had weird little joysticky things. Were they Atari or mm. Color ColorCovision or something? They had, and it was basically two sticks. And mm. it was it was called Pong, wasn't it? I think or tennis. Yes. And it was yeah. just two sticks either side with a little square ball in the middle going beep, beep, beep. But we were obsessed, but we would play it for hours and hours. But I remember there was screen burn as well. If you played it for too long, the, the images on the screen would actually burn into the TV. So I remember mum and dad at one point, I think um, they were a bit worried about screen burn, but I don't know that happens anymore with all the new consoles. No, but I can even um, remember that with uh, Nintendo and late, later kind of versions of, of game playing consoles that if you paused right. a game and then <sighs> yes. went to get a drink or something, you'd come back and it would still kind of stay around for a little while. So you always had to yeah. you know, be conscious of not a bit worrying, a bit worrying about if you just bought a new TV and it, yes, you've got um, a Super Mario face burnt on there or something. Not not a good idea, is it? It's not a good <laughs> idea. But I love that because um, I think my first memories are all of us being around the TV screen. And I think that's part of the reason why, especially Nintendo games, eventually have had such a big impact on me and what I do and memories and family get-togethers and things, because it was a real family thing. You know, you would gather around the TV. And even though we were playing a game and not necessarily interacting with each other, we were still sort of competing and laughing and um, having a, a great time with all these games. And that's that's definitely follows through now to the rest of my life. Because even like I went home and saw my family a couple of weekends ago, and we all ended up playing the new Mario cart game on our mobile phones it was really it, you know it just reminds me of old times even though like my youngest um niece is now 15 so um we're all a bit older now but um yes lots of nice really nice memories yeah do, do you remember did you get an original nintendo console yourself or did you i did i was very lucky i was a bit spoiled as a child so um <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to wait though i didn't just get anything i wanted i think i got one christmas or birthday and i remember i played the original super mario brothers for hours and hours and hours i absolutely loved it even though the screen was glitchy and you couldn't really sort of it was quite difficult to understand because there was no internet so you couldn't google how to finish a level or anything you have to wait for magazines to come out and hope that someone else was stuck in the same place as you it was really weird when you think back not having the internet and you had to just struggle through these games because ga computer games used to be a lot more difficult than they are now i think people are less patient um, yeah. than, than we used to be because remember with old computers as well my brothers had a commodore 64 and you had to load in the games using tapes it was all on cassette Mm -hmm. you'd wait hours and then it wouldn't work yeah and you have to blow the dust out of them or yes yeah yeah but that that's a good point like now regardless of whether the company that creates the game has mm. any guides available or cheats or whatever uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, 
anywhere on the internet, you're going to be able to find somebody who's played the game and knows the solution Absolutely. to what you're stuck with. But yeah, I can remember game books, and I also remember that they like they'd sell cheat cartridges as well that, that this was like i had yes. a, a game boy and you could there was a thing that you could yeah, attach yeah, yeah. onto the game boy and then put the game yes. into that and it would yeah i never had one of those but i remember yeah, yeah yeah there was a lot of cheat codes going around and you could in the old games you used to be able to put in certain codes didn't you and you had to find those out so yeah it's all very weird but i think the main thing doing children's books i now realize that i i've definitely been influenced by the visuals especially of things like Super Mario and Mario Kart and, and definitely Animal Crossing and like the palettes that they use and a lot of the sort of the Japanese character designs cross with the American designs and it's it's definitely when I draw my first sort of iteration of characters now they do look quite sort of Animal Crossing-y and I have to sort of think no they, they shouldn't look like something that already exists go down a different path but I always start with like a circular character that looks a bit like something from Animal Crossing or a Mario game definitely. Mm. And it was, in a way, the first time that you had that kind of continuous stream of material of, you know, visuals being thrown at you in, in yes. that, at least in that length that, you know, there were films, there were cartoons that you could watch. Yeah. But it was never this extended hours and hours, hours and hours, <laughs> hours of just like, you know, being bombarded with animations and, um, you know, different, yeah. each each level being kind of a different world and having new characters thrown at you constantly and yeah. having it be that like each game has that potential. And it's, of course, it's Definitely. even worse now because the games are so much more complex and you can play them for longer. But also, I love, I, the reason why I love Nintendo games in particular is because of the, collectib the, the collectability factor. So like in Mario, you've got to collect all the coins. In um, like Zelda, you're constantly trying to get as many rupees as possible and just buying all the stuff and collecting everything because I think I'm, I'm a bit of a collector as well myself and I think that definitely I was inspired by Nintendo to collect things because so many of their games encourage you to keep going back and finding new things collecting new things and um, yeah slightly obsessed with collecting and so yeah. I think that's Nintendo's fault yeah and I think <laughs> that was the foundation for finding ways to to um make people as addicted to games as possible and keep yes. you know, finding things like that that are like, ooh, it's really fun to like yeah. collect coins or to, you know, uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. find secret levels or whatever it is that will keep yeah. people coming back for more and really, you know, they've, they've really honed it. It's like yeah. uh, even games on phones, they're so addictive and so... Absolutely. Like, just one more go, just one more thing. If you get, get this, then you've got this, and you, you're going up levels and stuff. It's Yeah, it's terrible. Because I love, it's on a Nintendo console, but it's not necessarily a Nintendo game, but Spyro the Dragon, where you have to collect all the gems as well, and that mm. becomes a bit obsessive. Um, yeah, anything that involves collecting, I'm a huge fan of. So, um, yeah, they got me good and proper when I was, I don't know, I don't know how old I was when the NES came out. I must have been, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, I don't know. I, I should have looked at what year it all came out. I, I love computer games. I'm just not an expert, but I just see them as escapism. And I love the fact that, again, I, I, I'm not very good at um, shutting off or relaxing, but I find that playing a computer game, I become so uh, intensely addicted to trying to 
finish a level or collect so many things that I forget about my stresses, I forget about my anxieties and, and I forget about what I should be doing, what I should be working on. So it's like a couple of hours of escapism. Mm. Um, I tried I tried yoga, but I got told off for laughing. So I've, I've, <laughs> I've never I've never been back to yoga, maybe Pilates one day, but I don't like the look of all the machines. Some Pilates, they use machines and like wooden things and you're bending over wooden bits and pieces that looks like a broken pipe organ or something. I don't understand. So I I'm not going to try Pilates, I don't think, but yeah. did computer you, games will do. Did you storm out of the yoga class and say, my Nintendo never scolds me for laughing? No, I should have done. I should have done. I just tell, I'm terrible at guessing the giggles. And yeah, the, the tutor sort of said, you sort of got to take it. Well, he's, you, can, you can find it amusing, but maybe not in front of every, everyone. So, and there was no, it wasn't because anyone like broke wind or anything. I just, I just... I couldn't take it seriously but I think that's what I, I need to do more of I need to zone out a bit because I've got mm. friends that like they do it almost every night and they, they look super fit and healthy and they just absolutely love it again I guess they're a bit addicted to that as well so um yeah addicted to yoga that's another conversation um, <laughs> yes. uh caller I just have word for my team of fact checkers who are uh just behind me here the yes. uh, original Nintendo entertainment <laughs> system was released in 1985 1985 and i was born in 1977 so i was eight i was right i was sort of eight ish yeah eight ish that's if we got it when it first came out i don't know if i did get it when it first came out but i'm pretty sure i was about eight or nine i remember then because i got a nez nes nes and then my friend graham mitchell got a super nintendo mm -hmm. but i never got a super nintendo and i remember there was one summer holiday where graham mitchell and his family were going to florida they're going to disney world for two weeks and he said do you want to borrow my super nintendo for two weeks and i said yes i do want to borrow your super nintendo <laughs> and so it was the best two weeks of that summer holiday out of the six weeks i was i remember playing super star wars and mario kart and pilot wings and one of the Zelda games in Street Fighter 2, although I was rubbish at Street Fighter 2. I feel like with Street Fighter 2, you're just bashing loads of buttons and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. So I'm not a big fan of beat-em-ups. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I never got a Super Nintendo. But now with all the Nintendo Switch and everything, you can play loads of all the old games anyway. So it's like you've got all the consoles in one, which is yeah. genius. Yeah, my husband just got, I think there's uh, a Sega one that is, you know, just a little USB thing that like looks like a fake old sega console but it has yes. like, every game they ever created for the original isn't it console. clever yeah so clever so clever um, yeah i would i did like golden axe i don't like got uh beat em up but i did like golden axe and streets of rage and i think streets of rage five or six is coming out soon so that might be quite good yeah good um, soundtrack yes that was another thing also just like <gasps> getting these little the theme songs stuck in your head like so good. Um, especially for the Mario games, all of the, you know, the levels that had fire in them when it would kind of go a bit scary i always yeah. found the underground levels a bit scary and they were more challenging with the big mm -hmm. sort of rotating flames and everything yeah, they, yeah but they they got all the nintendo games they've got such good soundtracks all this you know you remember the zelda ones and animal crossing and and yeah all the mario games and mario kart they've got such good strong they really strong visuals mm -hmm. really memorable characters and really good music as well i think that's why they're such a winning a winning formula yeah and all of it designed to kind of give you these regular jolts of 
dopamine, like, you know, yes. re rewarding you constantly in addition to challenging you, but and also <laughs> yes. like, earworm music so that it's just stuck in your head all the time and you're constantly thinking about it and... Um, yeah, uh, there was Tetris as well. That was a Nintendo mm. game originally, I think, wasn't it? And that had a, I think there, someone released it as a single, the do 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 that Russian theme. And yeah, I think that was number one or two for a lot for quite a while. I think that was rubbish, but <laughs> clever, rubbish but clever. Oh God, that is ridiculous. <laughs> um, do you remember? Uh, this is probably too specific, but do you remember the games that you got initially with it? Like, would it have been Super? Uh, was Super Mario the first original I game definitely that was on got it? Super Mario. There was another Mario Brothers game, but it was more like in a factory or something, which was just like one screen, and you just had to go up and down the pipes and, yeah. and try not to get hit by turtles. I think I've played it, but it wasn't very good. The kind of yes. um, Donkey Kong, original Donkey Kong spinoff. Where they're just yes, like, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. And so Super I, Mario I, Brothers was the Nintendo Thing. Yes, that was the main thing with the levels and going along and rescuing the princess. And I remember I had um, a Castlevania game. That's another Nintendo series mm. where you're, is it Simon Belmont or uh, one of the characters then get changes in each game. But yeah, um, sort of you've got a whip or daggers and swords and stuff and you're killing um, zombies and, and skeletons and stuff. They were quite good. There was Ghoul, Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts, which is one of the most difficult games ever. Um, and then, of course, the Zelda game, the original one, and my favourite, um, and they both came with gold cartridges, so they felt um, like they were very exclusive and very expensive. But the, what's the second one called, saying it's my favourite one, and I can't remember the title, something Link, Adventure of Link or something. The, um, oh. Please hold, Link, please hold, uh, caller, the fact checkers uh, are busy at work. Da, 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 da. Um, First one was The Legend of Zelda, and I think the second one is The Adventure of Link. Please hold. I think. Please hold. Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Yes, I was, was right. released in 1987. Oh, so, yeah, so not long after the console. I thought it was sort of later than that. Yeah, the first Zelda I remember, was 86. Um, okay, so it was only a year after. I remember getting the first one because my granddad was very poorly in hospital and my dad took me to Boots. Boots. Boots, the chemist, used to sell Nintendo games. Uh, we went to Boots in Coventry, and Dad um, cheered me up um, after seeing Granddad and got me uh, The Legend of Zelda. And again, I remember getting really, really stuck in it after not very long. And then there was just, you couldn't go to anyone. I couldn't ask Mum and Dad to help because they probably would have been worse than me at it. So yeah, you just had to wait and talk to your friends at school the next day and hope that someone else had been stuck at that level and, mm. and frustrating times. But yeah, good good game. So yeah, definitely the Zelda games and Super Super Mario were definitely the first ones that I got. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think both of them, you know, it's different different kinds of gameplay, but both of them having that adventure element. Um, yes. And the, like, role-playing with Zelda, really exciting for me, at least. Um, and, I, like, I was, never, I was never allowed to have a games console because uh, my parents oh, thought I that I was going to have... Uh, it was going to suck up too much of my time. I eventually bought a Game Boy with my own money when I was, like, a teenager. Well done, um, well done. But when I was a, a young child, I was not allowed to have one, but I could 
rent them from the video store for the weekend. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good compromise. Compromise. That's a good idea. Because, I mean, they do take your time. I remember some Saturdays I would start playing a game after watching Saturday morning cartoons, and then I would literally be on my Nintendo from sort of, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning till it, like, you know, four or five in the in the evening. And mum and dad not being best pleased. But then I was, you know, uh, then I'd go and socialise as well. But I wasn't particularly sociable as a child. Like, my friends would, even when, as a teenager, because my friends would call up and say, well, we're going down the co-op down the road. Do you want to come and hang out? And I'd always be like, oh, but the Generation Games on uh, Saturday <laughs> night. So I'm, I'm staying in with mummy and daddy. So no, or I'm playing on my game. So I wasn't very sociable. But that's a, another thing why I like computer games, because... I didn't know that I was gay when I was that young, really, although I did have an inkling. I think my friends definitely had an inkling. But computer games was something. It didn't matter that I didn't like football. And, they, you know, they were all into, like, football and WWF and, and like, physical sport. And I liked drawing. I liked reading. And I liked playing computer games. But computer games was something that we could all get together and have a really fun time with. And it didn't matter what else we were into. We all, Me and my friends used to have that we all just love playing computer games it was a really it's a good common interest that brought me together and made me feel like i belonged more with my school friends because with everything else i always felt a bit out on a limb mm. and a bit and a bit lonely but computer games really brought us together which was brilliant yeah I, and i felt kind of the same way with my friends i think having mm. i guess when i was a little kid it was probably the time in my life when i had the most straight male friends and yes. a lot of them were very into sport and I was absolutely not. And so, yeah, it was like entertainment stuff that was really the yeah. common. It's around. funny, isn't it? It's like an, it's an ongoing theme. So like a lot of people that I speak to had a very similar experience. It's funny, isn't it? That we've got all these, all these things in common. But again, when you're young, you just don't realize. I think maybe nowadays it's different because with social media and teachers and people generally being more in touch, I hope, with sexuality and hormones and how people are feeling uh, from a younger age. Because, you know, at primary school, I would never have dared um, you know, come out or talk to someone about how I was feeling. It was just something that you just never would have done. And even at, at secondary school, I was I was nervous about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. So yeah, it, it, it's it's really interesting that so many people we've all had a very similar experience and just didn't have those ways of communicating with each other to just say, oh, you know, it's all right if you don't like football and if you if you're shit in goal, it really doesn't matter because I'm hopeless in goal as well, and it doesn't. You don't have to be good at football to sort of to be a proper person. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah, I never. I don't know if I ever even was that bothered about the fact that I just didn't care about sport Mm. until I was a teenager when people started really knowing that I was gay before I knew and Mm. pointing that out as evidence of my gayness that I I didn't care about sports. Yeah, Um, yeah. But when I was little, it was just like, that's just not for me. Like my dad was really into sports. He would watch, we used to have a, a big color TV and then we had a little black and white TV and he would watch the black and white TV with the sound mm-hmm. off, like watch basketball or something while everyone uh, okay. else was watching a, a normal show because mm-hmm. nobody else cared about sports in my house. But yeah, it's funny just thinking about all that stuff and also just, you know, how much the internet has changed everything, which is obvious, but those yeah, specifics, yeah. like I wonder, I kind of, I don't envy kids growing up with the internet in terms of the, you know, pressures of social media. So and, much pressure. You know, so much, so much more ability to bully people anonymously and all mm-hmm, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But at the same time, like you said, there's also this 
kind of extended support network for people who are gay or trans or whatever uh, that the thing is that, you know, sets them apart from their peers yeah. um, that, you know, again, anonymously, if you aren't, if it's people not feeling comfortable talking about it with um, someone that they know, there yes. are ways that they can just kind of reach out to, you know, in a chat room or. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's an interesting what you, what you said about you don't, you don't realize it until someone points out that you're, you don't like what everyone else likes. Cause you like, like say, I was quite happy sort of being on my own at the week weekends with my parents and my brothers and just like drawing and just being being quiet mm -hmm. and then you know you go back to school the next day and you're like oh we did this and you missed out on this and I'm like well I, I guess I you think that I missed out on it but I didn't know and I didn't feel that I was missing out but now you've told me maybe I did miss out and now then it gets you thinking and makes you a bit anxious and you sort of start thinking well why don't I like hanging out with these guys why don't I like playing football why don't I do all the things that normal people are doing it's 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 strange but yeah i mean I, di I didn't sort of i didn't get depressed or down about it i just thought well i'll carry on doing what i'm doing but maybe i just won't sort of shout about it or talk about it as much i'll just sort mm -hmm. of get on with it quietly which is what i did and it didn't it didn't do me any harm i don't think and now um with children's books coming out i hear from quite a few of my old school friends are like oh we just bought you know your the, the your latest book and we just love it and you know love you to sign it if you ever come back to congleton or whatever and and i said oh god you know do you remember when we did this at school and that at school and i always think that they're going to sort of joke about or take the piss out of me a bit and they're like oh no but you were all right at school and you did this and you could do that so I was maybe a bit paranoid after mm -hmm. a while that uh, that I didn't fit in. But they now, when I chat to some of my old friends, they're like, well, you sort of did fit in, you know, so I, don't worry about it. So it's quite nice to, it's been quite a number of years, but it's quite nice chatting to old school friends now. And they've got a different take on what 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 I was thinking. So it's quite, it's quite nice. And vice versa, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, God, remember when I did that? It was so embarrassing. And I was like, no, but that was quite cool that you did that. So don't, don't fret. Don't worry mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, it does always help to have other people's perspectives to kind of uh, keep keep your memories in check and, and yeah. um, make sure that you are thinking back on things that have happened to you from a kind of holistic perspective instead of just like this internal turmoil of, uh, you know, hormonal tween yeah. or teen who's dealing with a lot of shit and is very self-conscious and is very worried about you know what everybody thinks of them and yes. um yeah. all of those kinds of things so yeah I'm, I'm sure it's a a nice reassurance to have people saying like no, no yeah totally so i'm just um i'm listening to jonathan van ness's autobiography mm -hmm. as well and he's mm -hmm. just he's so confident and just you know he's always been gay and he's just uh you know loved gymnastics and wanted to be this uh this that and the other and and it wasn't until he his mum sort of said Do you know what you can you can do this and this is absolutely brilliant but you are going to you know you're going to suffer partly because of who you are and then that made him think slightly differently about who he was but he still went for it and was still you know he got picked on and everything but he's like oh well, I only got picked on three times today so that's a result because yesterday I got picked on seven times so he's got a really cool outlook about the whole the whole thing he was just very very confident from a very early age and is still sort of plowing through to this day like that which is working really well for him yeah. But I, I think, you know, even when you have all of that confidence and when you have a huge support network, like my family were you know, the 
most liberal people in the world and never had mm, any problem mm. with me being gay. And it was still like, even just those, there was like one or two years when I was a teenager, when I was kind of getting picked on. And yeah. the trauma of that still stays with you, no matter how strong you are, no matter how confident you are, it's, sure. like, it, it's still it's still there. So having that support network and also, you know, as you said, with like finding common ground with your peers like if you have computer games that you all sit around and play and it makes you feel yeah. included and like even if there are things that are different about you you still have these things that um you share and mm -hmm. you know i think that definitely that combined with growing up and moving on and having a full actualized life that is is not just about living in the town that you grew up in and yeah we're worrying so much about this small circle of people and, and what they think about you. But yeah, so, I mean, uh, bringing it back to the computer games. Um, <laughs> yes, we've gone uh, slightly off topic of Nintendo games. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the way I like it. That's the way I like it. Digression is very well um, uh, But so did you, were there lots of other kids who you went to school with who you would play in groups or was it like a couple of kids at a time kind of you know you go to one friend's house and play because i mean it's, it, it wasn't exactly like a um the way that it is now where you can have these multiplayer worlds where people no, you know play in their it's own so home different now but i can still remember i had a friend who had a super nintendo and he would mm -hmm. have like you know groups of kids over for slumber parties or whatever and it would be like five yeah or six and brother a couple of our brothers mm. yeah would would go around and we never had sleepovers but yeah we'd play i remember yeah it's definitely my main friend graham mitchell and he's the one that had the super nintendo and we would play on um yeah mario kart and street fighter for ages and then like a couple of other mates would come around and then you'd take it in turns then oh it's lunch so let's do this no actually we've played this for long enough should we play a board game tonight and stuff so it would be quite sort of organic but it would always start off oh you know graham's got the latest whatever game let's go around and play on that and it would always start sort of you know the saturday or the sunday whatever it is and it would it would lead on from there really which is a really nice sort of a, a way to spend a weekend so it's, yeah it's, it's really nice but yeah we never because these days like my nephews and stuff they're on the microphone and they're shouting and they're like get down get down da, 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 da. i'm hope i'm so bad at um uh, shoot em ups and things i'm hopeless at Fortnite. i find Fortnite incredibly stressful so mm. I can't play I can't play that anymore. And this there's so many controls. I think that's why I like Nintendo games because they're quite basic. <laughs> they're not basic, but they are quite basic. You know, there's there's jump, um, there's left and right pretty much, and then maybe another action button. Whereas in all these um, things like Call of Duty and everything, I've I've tried to play them. Um, and Steve, uh, my boyfriend Stephen, he's brilliant at all these things. So he he's not a big fan of Nintendo Nintendo games. He likes all the like you know quite. Um, he likes uh, playing as a sniper and doing all these things. But there's there's just so many controls to learn. There's too many buttons. <laughs> I'm 42. There's too many buttons for, for these games. <laughs> uh, I the 2D games were all like all that I could ever play. I, I have really terrible motion sickness. So like modern. Oh, do you? I mean, modern, I say in, in quotes, uh, meaning anything in the last kind of 25 years uh, in terms mm -hmm. of computer games. If there's any kind of motion blur or whatever, I can watch it for about four seconds and I start to feel too like much. I puke. Um, yeah. So yeah, the early Nintendo games were my sweet spot. Like, yeah, scrolling across the screen. That's it. Yeah, me. I like I like going from left to right and like finishing a level again. Um, uh, Stephen like, and so many other people are like, oh, it's a big free world and you can do anything you like and you can craft all these different weapons and materials. I'm like, I don't want to craft materials. I don't want a big free roaming world. I want to collect coins. I want to punch bricks and I want to collect stuff and get to the princess at the end. I just want to go from left to right. 
it and get to the end of a level. I'm, I'm not interested in building worlds and, you know, running around trying to catch, I don't know, horses and things. It's just it's just all a bit much. But yeah, the, the 2D graphics, I just, the pixelated graphics, just, I still think they're just amazing. And there's so many new games these days that are being made in that old style. Um, and I don't think they'll ever go away, um, even mm. though you can do any any kind of graphics you like now. But a lot of games companies choose to have that retro 80s um, visual and the sound as well, the pixelated, it was 8-bit mm-hmm. Um, um, sound effects and everything, which I think is fantastic. So I love, yeah, I like getting sort of modern games that are done in a 2D, flat, easier to play, scrolling world. I love all that. Yeah. And there was something about like having that immersive, very like busy, full, rich world that's like, you know, colors and lights and music and just mm. like ve- very engaging and very addictive, but also finite. And there's yes. like yes. not as much pressure on you to contribute to designing that world. It was a world that was kind of exactly. set out for you, and it was exactly. you know, there were limits. And I really like that. <laughs> I know that I that's think, like I think I, um, it's considered I agree. Like I, a, I, I, uh, something that is a hindrance now. But and a lot of people yeah, like yeah. these like infinite world games where it, you know it yeah, can just go it. anywhere you want to. Um, and also having to learn those controls that are like every mm. game is you know a, a few days of having to get used to controls. I'm like, yeah, I want something. I can take out of the box and just play. It's just all too complicated. But yeah, I don't. I think that's why I like to just play a, a basic level game. You know, a game made up of simple levels because for my job, I'm constantly thinking up worlds and characters and stories, and so I don't want to have to. I don't want to pay forty or fifty pounds for the non-pleasure of having to do that again in the evening or at the weekends as well. I'm just like, no, I, this is what I do for a job. I don't want to have to think up things and create things. I just want to play something that someone else has made and just enjoy it for that. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think I also got, you know, there wasn't a, there, there weren't other possibilities when I was a child, but I really liked mm, mm. that it was a set story, that it was you know, yes. something that there's a, a linear path and... yeah. That goes back to like the kind of cheat codes and and uh, the rumor mill on the playground of mm. like how you navigate things. Or if somebody <laughs> found like a, a secret, it was you know people would spread it around. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, all of that stuff was done much more organically and uh, in person, and it was a, a lot about like waiting and being patient and and finding the right time to uh, get the information that you needed instead of just like yeah. googling it. Yeah, it's so easy to cheat these days. So easy to cheat. Stop cheating. This is turning into like the the granddad conversation. It's like, oh, these kids have it so easy. It's, oh, back in my day, you had to actually play the game, and now they just cheat, cheat, cheat. I know. We just sound old, don't we? But it's all true. It's all true, and we know best. We know better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, did you? pick games to play based on anything in particular like the the characters and you know the way that they looked or was it recommendations from other people or adverts or i think well i used to get them there weren't many magazines but i think there was like nintendo magazine mm-hmm. and there was a Green magazine as well so i did read the reviews and because i mean computer games are still expensive but back in the day they were still quite expensive they were Mm -hmm. really expensive i think so i didn't get many games at all but i would just it's like this these days if there was a new mario game i would just instantly get that because you know it's going to be of a certain quality so you just know that you're safe even if it's like mario tennis or something i would i would try and get all those games i always used to love getting games that had a 
whereas you could play a female character as well. I remember in Super Mario Brothers 2, you could play as Princess Peach or one of the princesses. And oh. that was really that was really cool. And also, like, when I used to play Golden Axe, I used to always want to be the woman. And, like, even in Mario Kart now, I like to play as... My favourite character in Mario Kart is Rosalina, who's from um, <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy, which is my favourite, favourite, favourite ever Super Mario game. I just think Super Mario Galaxy is amazing. Even though it's 3D and goes against what I've just been talking about, about 2D and pixelated and everything, it's just such an immense, brilliant, beautiful game and an amazing world that they've created so yeah I, i've always chosen games where you can play as a female which is interesting yeah. <laughs> where, where uh, i yeah. can yeah yeah but that was a an, another um advantage to playing these games is that it's like kind of i guess other games get into more of the role-playing stuff but um yes. being able to play as a character who's completely unlike you um mm-hmm. is a, a cool kind of feature um, and yeah, also, definitely. especially these Mario games, like they have really done quite well with this concept. It's like 200 different games that have been created using those characters. Yeah, and it's immense, doesn't it? It's amazing. Just like hundreds of millions of units. Um, so it's this idea of... You know, I mean, I, I think with anything creative, it's theoretically limitless. There's, you know, infinite permutations of uh, mm-hmm. diff- ideas and characters and whatever. But taking this small subset of characters and branching yeah. off this near They're very clever family. I think them. I think because they made such a strong world to begin with. I, I I was also when I was young, I was also obsessed with the Muppets. And again, that's like a really strange mixture of characters, but they created this world and the humor and um yeah, all the, the colours and the weird characters is just something that I really latched onto. And I think that's again why um I love playing computer games and love reading books as well so much because it's all about escapism and another world and and uh, beautiful design and I, I think yeah it's, it's really interesting how all these things when you look back you don't realize at the time but how these things influence you over time and then sort of seep into your career and into your mindset as well it's really interesting mm-hmm. yeah i think um <laughs> this is this is a uh quite a uh, comprehensive a weird overview. quite a weird conversation <laughs> I, I think it was a, a lovely conversation and i like it i, I like good. it when things kind of you know take a, a different turn to what i am expecting so it's very welcome i um, guess everything's a bit it's like a starting point and then leads you down different it's not like because i listened to the one with rod um and obviously he's like i'm talking about light years and then you go into all the in-depth stuff which would have been quite cool to talk about an album and everything but i guess that's more sort of strictly talking about track by track kind of thing Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, you know, it is whatever anybody it wants turns it to be. Into, it's, yeah, yeah cool. you know, can be a bit more autobiographical. It can be kind of an examination of whatever artwork the person wants to talk about. But it is yeah. always, um, I think it, it, it makes it so that it's not exactly the same thing every time, which I quite like. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But I'm, uh, I'm very awesome. happy. I'm very happy with this discussion. Oh, um, well done, Adam. Well done. Yes, well done you. Uh, so <laughs> if uh, anyone listening to this wants to find out more about your work and what you have coming up and all yeah. that kind of stuff, where do they do that? Well, the main place, you can find me on Twitter. I think I'm just um, at Stephen Lenton. And I have a website where you can find out all my latest books. Uh, and that's just dead easy. It's stephenlenton.com. So it's very, it's all very simple. 
Uh, Instagram as well is Stephen Lenton. So just Google Stephen Lenton and you'll just be bored of me in five minutes. <laughs> that is not true. Um, but that does make it very easy. It's nice when people... Very uh, easy. I know so- sometimes if people have quite common names and they have to be mm. like Jim Smith... One three eighty seven mm-hmm. just gets a little bit more complicated. Or if they, yeah. the worst is when people can get their name on one kind of social media and the others it's been taken so they have to like have yes. different handles on different platforms yeah Ugh. yeah well i think a lot of i i i um i used to be called 2d scrumptious which is always sort of based on um you know chitty chitty bang bang truly scrumptious and because i was doing i was an animator and i was doing 2d only i wasn't doing 3d i thought oh 2d scrumptious is hilarious and brilliant and it's really catchy and then it just becomes annoying and then you just think i oh, god i hope just my normal name is still available on everything and it and it, and it totally was so i was quite lucky it's not at lenton's not very common name Stephen is but uh, Lenton's and so I, I looked out so yeah the website and everything's still very very simple yeah if I were calling this uh, podcast anything about uns I can guarantee to you no one <laughs> has that no one takes that uh, anyway thank you so much this was so much fun and um, thank you I will talk to you soon talk to you later cheers Adam bye Bye. Okay, that was delightful. Thanks again to Stephen. And now, let's do a couple of little recommendations. Yay, it's everyone's fave. So, this week I saw Parasite. It's Bon Joon-ho's new film, and I need to say up front that it is a definite victim of the hype machine. The trailer gave away just enough, but the reviews, Jesus. You'd think they were giving away a gold brick with each ticket. So I went into it expecting it to change my life, and I just need to say that it didn't. So there's a tiny twinge of disappointment there. That said, it's still very good and definitely worth your time. Is that an actual recommendation? Maybe this is a new segment called the Backhanded Compliment Recommendation. Anyway... See Parasite and then hit me up on social media and let me know what you think. The other little recommendation for you is Damon Lindelof's new Watchmen TV show on HBO. It's really great. I did a good job of managing my expectations with this one and was really pleasantly surprised. I like that it's a continuation of the world created in the comic books, but it's definitely its own thing. And Regina King. I mean, I can't get enough of that woman. I've loved her fiercely and intensely since 227. If you don't know what 227 is, first of all, take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask yourself what went wrong. And second of all, Google it. Anyway, Regina King is great in Watchmen, and I'm really excited to see where the story goes. And there you have it. More than enough to keep you entertained for the week. So I'm going to let you get back to your lives. Have a little walk in the park now, why don't you? Or get yourself a little treat. Or maybe just, I don't know, follow me on social media at Spark Parade and write a nice review for the show and rate it five stars wherever you download it. And you can and you can donate to the show on thesparkparade.com if you feel like supporting it in a financial style. Any of these options would be real cute. Okay, my loves, have a super fun week. Until next time, bye.